And so now that I'm on the other side of these really horrible traumatic events, I'm starting to really peel back these layers and see why these things had to happen for me. Because I know that if these situations didn't occur, maybe I wouldn't be here being able to help all of these women, being able to share my story, making other women feel seen, feel heard. Welcome to Unspoken Bravery. I'm your host, Erin Milzinski, a multiple time Olympian. Skiing started as my first love and quickly became my greatest teacher. This podcast is meant to take a deep dive behind the capes of our everyday superheroes and find out what's under the brave spirits, the fearless feats, and the nerves of steel. It's normal to feel fear. Hardships lurk around every corner. And yet these roadblocks can be met with a challenger's mindset and turned into wonderful gifts. It's time to celebrate imperfections, to build bravery from setbacks, and to take our goals to the next level. So let's dive right in. Welcome back or welcome to Unspoken Bravery. Today, I'm going to share a little bit more about myself and that'll explain how it ties into our guest today, who I'm so excited to talk to. We've never done this before. And in the first episode of Unspoken Bravery, I talked about the struggles I had in 2013, 2014, the infections, antibiotics, pain medications, back pain, sadness, so many other things. And what I didn't talk about is how basically at the same time I started suffering from adult acne and I've lived with that ever since it kind of comes and goes. I'm sure some of you have seen it on me and some of you haven't. And it's something that I guess I've tried to hide pretty well. And as athletes, we try to focus on all areas of our training, all areas of our lives to reach that peak performance, but acne or how we look, it isn't one of those areas. You know, we don't focus on how our body looks because it's supposed to be strong. We don't focus on wearing a lot of makeup or brushing our hair all the time or acne. And this is something that I just sort of let it go. And I just tried to be healthy. I tried to eat healthy. I tried to drink a lot of water, sleep a lot. I, I thought that things were healthy and I didn't take the time to kind of figure out what was causing my acne. I just kind of tried these band-aid solutions. And This summer, as I retired, I thought, okay, this is something I can do for myself. And I realized how wrong I had been to overlook this because acne is an outward symptom of something going on internally and some, something that we're dealing with. And in walks our guest today, who is Katie Stewart. And Katie is a registered holistic nutritionist who specializes in helping women heal their chronic acne from the inside out which I totally love. And she helps women internationally through an online platform and it's called the Clear Skin Solution. And I'm part of that. I'm in the Clear Skin Solution. You'll hear more about her. You'll hear more about my journey. And I really loved this. And I guess without further ado, let's dive in. Katie, welcome to Unspoken Bravery. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I am so happy to be here, Erin. Like I, I truly do love your podcast and everything it's about and what it stands for. So thank you so much for having me. And I would love to share a little bit about me. I know you did your intro. So yeah, I guess, where do I start with who I am? 
I, well, right now, I, of course, am a registered holistic nutritionist and I founded the Clear Skin Solution, which is the online program that we use to help women clear up their skin from the inside out. Now, that's my, you know, little elevator spiel that you tell to people when they ask what you do. But that's not everything about who I am, of course. Uh, Prior to working in nutrition and having this online uh, business, I worked in television. I worked in TV for 14 years and I did 14 seasons for Hockey Night in Canada, working behind the scenes. Uh, first as a runner, which is basically doing all the errands, like the coffee, the photocopying on all of that, working on the studio show. And then I spent the next 10 years of my career there working at the ACC, sorry, Scotiabank Arena as a floor manager. So I was the liaison between our ringside reporter uh, and the truck and, you know, doing all the things and all the running around on on the rank level. So my previous career was in TV. And I also, during that time at Hockey Night, I did for about four and a half, five years at a local cable station as an on-air reporter, eating all the best foods, going to the best restaurants, interviewing all of the amazing people in the city. And I was dealing with acne at the same time. And I had clear skin all of high school. I was also on the birth control pill, for so that probably helped. Um, but in my early 20s, I was changing my birth control around. And all of a sudden, I was dealing with cystic hormonal acne, not just on my face. It was on my shoulders, on my back. Um, like It was really everywhere. And as you know, being an athlete yourself... I was working in the TV sports world. So I was rubbing elbows with really high up television executives. I was, you know, talking to all the big NHL greats and alumni. And I felt so self-conscious about my skin because I looked like, you know, a 14 year old kid, but I, in my early twenties, wanted to be taken seriously in my career. And I felt like people were just seeing my acne, not seeing me. And then in my other role as an on-air videographer, I had my face on an HD camera every day, which again, you can relate to being an athlete. And when your skin's on an HD camera every day, like I was so like focused on, okay, what angle should I stand? Cause this breakout's really bad on the left side. What about the lighting? Can we do a wider shot? Does it have to be a close up? So I was thinking all of these things as I'm going through my career, just, you know, wishing it would, it would uh, clear up. So I ended up wanting to, you know, go back to school to study nutrition because I really fell in love with it after working on a gluten-free cooking show uh, when gluten-free wasn't a thing. And I started going gluten-free and I realized the massive impact it had on my own skin and my health and my chronic migraines, my stomach aches, like every symptom in the book I was dealing with. So I went back to school to study nutrition. And because of my experience with acne, I decided to specialize in acne for adult women because I felt like it was such a lacking niche because of course we expect teenagers to have acne, but it's never the adult women that we expect to have acne. Yeah, exactly. And that makes me think I did a photo shoot and a launch for the HBC Olympic Mm. collection a few years ago. Yeah, no big deal. It was, (laughs) it was really cool to be invited to. And I remember the artists and everything, you can see that I kind of have what looks like a bang swoop, but they swoop my hair to cover my acne Mm. on my forehead because, you know, no one likes to look at it. I was self-conscious about it. I asked what they could do. So I can completely relate to feeling that way. And I think sometimes people think that it's, you know, vain. Why should we care? Especially if someone has never felt that way before. But what Mm -hmm. I really love is that you took something that you struggled with and turned it into something to help so many people. And that's so welcoming. I mean, part of the group is this Facebook group online, part of the course, Mm -hmm. and it's so welcoming and people don't feel alone. So Mm -hmm. at what point were, did you want to branch out and help people internationally? 
Well, I know that, you know, acne affects women across the world. It's not just happening to us Canadians or us North Americans. It happens to people across the world. And I wanted to be able to expand my reach to help as many women as possible, because I know from, of course, personal experience that when you're dealing with acne, it impacts your self-confidence, your self-worth, your self-esteem, and it weighs on you so heavily. And if, if you've never dealt with acne, like you said, is you can look at it and think, oh, well, that's kind of vain. You just want to look pretty. It's not just about wanting to look pretty. Of course, you want to feel beautiful in your own skin, mm-hmm. but you want to feel confident. You, want, you don't want to be thinking, you know, oh, I'm on a photo shoot for being an Olympian and all I'm worried about is my acne. Like you want to be able to be in the moment and enjoy it. And that really is what drove me to want to help as many women as humanly possible. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And the way our paths kind of relate, I think I found you on Instagram. I I really can't mm-hmm. remember. And then this spring, I was like, okay, I'm this is something I'm going to focus on. And yeah. after seeing if I would be a fit for pr- the program, which I was, I entered the Clear Skin Solution. Can you tell us mm-hmm. a little bit more about how that works? Absolutely. So when I was trying to figure out how can I help as many women as humanly possible, clearly having an in-person practice uh, wasn't going to to work that well for worldwide. So I'm like, you want to? I'm going to go online. And this was probably Jan 2020, so just before COVID. Mm. So I picked a really good time, and I wanted to build this community in have a space where women felt safe, they felt seen, they felt heard, they got the answers that were lacking from their regular medical professionals. Because, you know, as I'm sure you can relate to, you go to your doctor, and you're like, hey, I'm struggling with this. And like, oh, no, just take this antibiotic, take this, this birth control, take this Accutane. And then they're left with no answers. So they don't feel like their problems have been seen and heard. So when I created the Clear Skin Solution, I wanted to make a one-stop shop and have everything I wish I had when I was dealing with acne, because I wasn't a nutritionist at the time. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just slathering on, you know, creams and lotions and taking medications and none of it was working for me. And I was feeling worse and worse and worse. So when I built out the clear skin solution, I wanted, of course, to have nutrition as the major component being a nutritionist. I wanted um, people to have the results and like the real like proof paper in their hand that I'm not crazy. There is something going on. So that's why we include uh, functional medicine testing. So people get the, the women get the answers for their skin. And then of course we want to have good skincare routine to help to repair the skin barrier because so many women have used all of these products to destroy that skin barrier. So we have, I wanted to include an esthetician and again, from personal experience, knowing how much it impacts mental health, I knew we needed to have a registered psychotherapist, someone that could handle the mental health component because it is this synergistic approach to acne. We can't just be applying a cleanser or, you know, removing dairy and thinking everything's going to resolve itself. Like we really have to repair the inside, repair the outside and repair a relationship with ourselves. So that's why I wanted to have all of this in one spot and allow women also of that community on our Facebook group, which is our client paid Facebook group. I wanted that community because women often feel alone in this journey. They're like, oh, no one I know in their 20s, 30s, 40s has acne. My sisters don't, my friends don't. I'm the only one dealing with this. But when you are in a group of like-minded women that are on the same journey, you again, feel seen, you feel heard, you feel understood, and you're able to have that community that's most often lacking in, in a regular day today. Yeah, I love it. I love being part of it. I think it's been about three months or so. And mm-hmm. when I started it, that's what I did. I did this um, functional testing and taking out what maybe some people would think is, is a scary amount of hair, but it all goes <laughs> back. But you take out it this does. hair and you do this testing for it and you test for all kinds of minerals and um, things like that. And here I'm probably going to overshare a little bit my story. And do you. And 
cortisol levels for me. Yeah. And I also back this up with some testing at the doctor's office because in Canada yep. we have we have healthcare and we can do that. And so I backed that up. And what was really interesting for me is that so many of my results were suppressed almost with my minerals. Um, mm -hmm. Luckily, my toxins were low as well, but my cortisol was through the roof, mm -hmm. which made sense because of the life I was living. And I didn't want to address this. I didn't have time to address this. I was living, you know, from Olympic to Olympics, I guess you could mm -hmm. say. And I remember coming down after some races and one race I came fourth and it's a happy day. And I'm just looking at my skin in the photos. Mm -hmm. And so I think that cortisol, it just kept growing and building. Mm -hmm. And what I realized from this testing is so many of these things were not only affecting acne, it was almost like an outwards symptom of what was happening inside. And so mm -hmm. many of these things that I had damaged like my gut microbiome and, you know, trying all these facial things. And I didn't go on Accutane, but that's one mm -hmm. dermatologist said, that's the only thing that I could go on that would give me any sort of solution. Mm -hmm. And so it was really cool to see the results, but I almost grew thankful for my acne as the summer wore on and as I was retired because I had been dealing with some fatigue and some worry and painful periods and mm. um, headaches and things like that. And I almost grew thankful because maybe it was a way to heal those other things too and to actually get to the root cause. And I was healing it because of this acne I saw. A hundred percent. And that's actually one of the things I... And one of the most things I think I'm most passionate about is that acne, we, we can be thankful for. We have to look at it in a different light. And I know when, if you're dealing with acne yourself, you're like, Katie, why in the world would I ever be thankful mm -hmm. for acne? Like you are nuts. But when we look back at the bigger picture, it's something that we're looking at every day. So we can often dismiss the headaches. We can dismiss the gut pain. We can dismiss the painful periods because they're not staring us in the face every day. But in, again, our society, it's a very, you know, Instagram filter visual world that it's something that we really, really see. And we're like, okay, that needs to be fixed. Like that is a motivation for me to get to the place where I want to be with, with my skin. Right. So we can be thankful for it because had we just been ignoring all of these internal symptoms, we would just let whatever is going on get worse, right? So I'm going to give the example of the gut microbiome. We know that the gut really is like crucial for the overall well-being of your entire body. And if we just sit and let our gut health continue to get worse, we ignore all of the symptoms that are going on inside, we can actually be putting ourselves up for risk of bigger diseases later on in life. So the fact that, you know, you had acne, you're like, nope, got to fix this up. But in order to fix it, we have to rebalance the body. We're drastically reducing our risk of developing further illnesses later on in life. So we can kind of be a little thankful because it's a big motivating factor for us to really get our body back into a spot where it's happy. Yeah. And that's what I felt. And that's what people, I think it's hard. It's hard for me to say I've been part of this course because one, if you mention acne, the first thing people do is look for acne. And <laughs> the second thing, which is hard. And the second thing is that it does feel a little bit vain because we are mm -hmm. looking at, we are trying to heal what people see. And I mm -hmm. hate being that person on Instagram that only posts a photos where you can't see my acne that much, because what about someone else that's struggling that, mm -hmm. you know, thinks my skin is perfect or that I haven't had these struggles and, and it's painful sometimes. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the thing that sometimes it really hurts as well, that I think that 
I don't know. I think sometimes society, it's, it's thinking that we're working out to have that Instagram body or that we're Mm -hmm. trying to heal our acne to look really good on Instagram. But in reality, I'm almost thankful for it because there was a lot going on that I was just Mm -hmm. pushing back or thought it was normal or thought, you know, I'll just take some Advil when this happens. Exactly. And I'm so glad you brought this up because I think so often we can feel, women can feel invalidated when they're dealing with acne, because of course there's that vein component. I don't want to say vein in a negative way because how you feel about yourself is valid. Mm -hmm. How you feel in your own skin, how confident you are, it is valid. And I know when we're in our own little brains and we're like, okay, well, I shouldn't be upset with how I'm feeling or or how my skin looks because there's people way worse off than me. Mm -hmm. And I've been in this scenario so many times I can't even count and just because we have we have to remember that there's always going to be somebody who has a worse story than us. There's going to be somebody who has a better story than us. But we are still having a human experience that is impacting how we feel about ourselves. And that needs to be validated because I'll share I'll share a little of a, a personal story. So for me in 2019 I had two late pregnancy losses. I had a we had a uh, a pregnancy loss of five months into our first, the my second pregnancy, and we ended up having a stillborn. And then six, six months later, we lost another baby at three months. And I felt so guilty being upset, being upset and grieving that because I'm like, there are mothers who lose three children. There's mothers who lose their children to leukemia. There's women who carried a term and had a stillborn. How come I get to feel this sad? And I felt guilty for feeling like that. But then I was at a retreat one weekend and the woman hosting the retreat said two things that you're having a human experience and there's going to be somebody who has a worse off story and there's going to be somebody who has a better story. And you feeling guilty for feeling the way you're doing is invalidating all of the women who have a lesser than story than you. Mm-hmm. And that really stuck with me because I would never want to make another woman person feel less than because their story isn't as worse as mine. And so if we transfer that into acne, you know, you're dealing with acne yourself. There's going to be another woman out there whose acne isn't as bad as yours, but still feeling the same way that you do. And I just want every woman to have that validation that how they feel matters. Wow. Yeah. And that's exactly how I felt walking into the course because this was something that was bothering me, something that I I actually asked my boyfriend if I should go into and his parents and my parents. And, you know, I was like, well, if they agree that I should do it, it must be this problem. And when I got in there, I said, oh, I'm, but I don't have it as bad. Maybe I shouldn't be here because I kind of felt mm-hmm. badly even taking the before, like we take monthly photos to show mm-hmm. how it's changing. I felt badly and I'd almost need to justify, oh, hey, I'm having a good skin day or, hey, I'm having mm-hmm. a good skin week because you're right that sometimes we feel guilty for complaining or for trying to deal with something because we feel other people have it worse. So why do we have the right to complain? And I think even in society, you know, I had Mm -hmm. someone tell me that I'd be stressed about something. They're like, well, at least you have food on the table. And it kind of invalidates that human experience you have that maybe you're stressed Mm -hmm. or sad about something that is really a big experience, but Mm -hmm. you still have food on the table. So why should you ever feel this way? Absolutely. And I think that guilt is a really big, a really big thing for people. Cause like you said, is okay. At least I have food on the table. At least I have this, at least I have that, but how you're feeling is still a way that you're feeling. You have, you know, you're a human being and you have 
the right to feel sad, to feel upset, to feel happy, to have any type of emotion and not, you know, invalidate that human experience that you're having. And we have clients that come in that have one pimple and we have clients come in that have a hundred pimples. And it, it doesn't matter how mild or how severe your skin is. If you're dealing with a symptom that is making you feel less than you deserve to feel, it, it is an issue that is valid and needs to be fixed. Yeah, exactly. And then can we get a little bit into the nitty gritty? I shared a little bit yeah. about what I'm going through. And do these findings make sense to you knowing that I was a high performance athlete? Absolutely. So I, I get so excited when any of our uh, functional testing comes back. And the one we're referring to specifically is our hair trace mineral analysis. Like you said, super simple test, uh, called a few pieces of hair. It does grow back. Don't worry. And from it, we are able to see so much information. Like we are not only looking at your mineral ratios, but the ratios of these minerals can be indicating is there possible, you know, low stomach acid? Is there a yeast interference? Are we having issues detoxifying? Is there, you know, heavy metal toxicity? And when we also look at our cortisol levels, because we can see implications for adrenal fatigue and cortisol levels. And when yours came back that you had, you know, really through the roof cortisol, it's not a surprise to me because you're a high performing athlete. And we can so often push ourselves, whether you're an Olympian or whether you're a mom, whether you're a lawyer, whatever our day-to-day life is, we push ourselves so hard. And cortisol is our one of our stress hormones, right? So if our body is in a chronic state of stress, our cortisol is going to keep creeping up and up and up. And we may not feel stressed, but your body feels the stress. So let's just think about you as a, you know an Olympian. How often are you training? How often are you putting your body through rigorous intensive races and all the different things that go along with training to go to the Olympics. That is enough to put any type of stress on your body. Physical stress also increases cortisol. So we'll often see this with, um, you know, even people that do a lot of hit classes, like they're like, no, I'm a hardcore. I'm doing hit six days a week. We often see that our cortisol is going to be really, really high because they're physically exhausting their body. So we can be seeing high cortisol, not only emotionally and mentally, but physically as well. That's really cool. And do you think that those, that physical hit, because we're taught that exercise is good. Do you mm-hmm. think doing that much physical hit then is bad for us, bad for our cortisol, creep it up? Or is it a different kind of cortisol than actually fe- feeling stressed? Mm-hmm. You know how some people, I think there's some books about it too, that it's all how you think about stress or how you take stress mm-hmm. as to how it causes disease. But I mean, cortisol is cortisol. My cortisol level mm-hmm. is super super high. Hopefully it's a bit lower now, but that's how I trained and Mm -hmm. really high intensity all the time. And when we weren't training high intensity all the time, it was planning, preparing, moving, traveling, jet lag, Mm -hmm. things like that. Oh yeah. And so what would you, I don't know, what would advice would you give for someone that's living in that world that doesn't really have an option? Yeah, because as an Olympian, you don't have an option, right? Like you can't be like, hey, you know, I know what, today, day, I, I can't really train that hard because my cortisol is too high. They'd be like, okay, like, like get on, get on your skis. Like we're, <laughs> yeah, exactly. we're training today. So let me try to, I'm going to go both ways. So if you are somebody that is a high elite athlete, we want to be helping your body adapt to the stressors at hand. 
because it's not like we can make all these changes for you. So there's some different things we can be doing. Um, definitely, you will want to be seeking out the help of a practitioner, whether it's nutritionist, naturopath, functional medicine doctor, because you're going to need to have some type of adrenal support in place. We want to have an adaptage, some type of adaptogen that helps your body adapt to those stressors of your day-to-day -day better. Definitely be having some stress-reducing practices in place. So whether that's mindfulness, meditation, getting, well, I guess being, uh, being Olympian, you're probably out in nature quite a bit, but anything we can be doing to help the body bring that cortisol down a little bit. Another one would be sleeping as much as you can when you can. So obviously when you're traveling jet lag, but when you have control over your sleep, trying to get, you know, that solid seven to nine hours of sleep a night can go a really, really long way. In an ideal world that was, would of course be consistent. Like we're going to bed at 10 and getting up at, you know, six every day, doing that as best as you can with the schedule at hand. On the other side, let's say you're in your off season or you are somebody that just loves to work out a lot. That's like your day to day. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah. You just love working out is we want to be offsetting those high intensity workouts with some more gentle workouts. So whether that be like some yoga, some walking, Pilates, swimming, so that you're giving your body that chance to calm down a little bit. And if we wanted to take that one step further, you know, as women, we have a menstrual cycle and we are so often the society thinks that women are just smaller men, right? We're just a smaller version of a man, but we're not because we have this menstrual cycle that dictates so many things in our life. And we can actually be working out in conjunction with our cycle. But that, like, that's a whole another topic of like, okay, days one to this, you'll be doing these workouts and days one to this, you'll be trying these more low intensity workouts, but really learning to go with the ebbs and flows of your cycle can be really, really incredible. Yeah. And what's really interesting is that, like I said, for us, we don't really have a choice. You, whether you have your cycle or not, you yeah. go and compete. If it happens on the Olympic games on the day you compete, that's what happens. And, and that's what happens go compete, but it is actually studied that girls get injured more often, more frequently when they're on their period. Mm -hmm. So coaches or trainers often track that, but in the end, there's not much we can do because you're not going to miss a day of training or miss a race because you're on your cycle. And so you kind yeah. of have to, <laughs> again, we're not given that much choice, but maybe it is in that training. And when you, we can control it a little bit more, like for winter sport, maybe in the summer, you can have those options a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny that you say that, right? Because you can't be like, Hey, Olympics, I'm on my period today. So <laughs> if we could move this race next week, that would be amazing. Yeah. And it, I actually didn't know that the trainers would and coaches would track your cycles. It's, it's a really incredible to hear that, you know, not incredible in a good way, but really eye-opening to hear that women do get injured more when they're on their period. It's like, men don't have to worry about that. Men aren't like, Oh, I'm going to get more injured between let's day one to seven here. It's being able to, you know, include that just with your, I think, own knowledge can really go a long way to help you even perform better as an athlete. I totally agree. And what would you say are the biggest contributors to acne then um, mm. with birth control and antibiotics and things? What would you say are the oh, biggest gosh. contributors? So when we look at acne, we find the biggest culprits. I like to call them the acne pillars. There's, or I guess we could call them the acne umbrellas is we have the gut umbrella, we have the, the detox organ umbrella, and we have the hormone umbrella. And it really is a combination of these things. 
almost never have we seen where, where a client comes in and they're like, oh, I'm just dealing with the leaky gut. Like, no, like there is a, a multitude of things going on. So when we're looking at the health of the gut, we want to be looking at, is there any alteration in your gut's microbiome? That's that healthy little, that's that little ecosystem in your digestive tract that has, you know, the good bacteria and the bad bacteria. But in our society, so often we're dealing with a lot of poor gut health where our, the bad bacteria has taken over the good. We could be dealing with a candida overgrowth. We could be dealing with something called SIBO, which is for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. We can be dealing with leaky gut, which is a slang term for intestinal permeability. And another common thing that we see happening in the gut is low stomach acid. And these in a combination can really be causing the acne. And then when we're moving into the detox organs, are we dealing with stagnant detox pathways? So how well is our liver detoxifying? Because when we look at our liver, our liver performs over 500 functions in the body. And one of its main functions is filtering toxins and excess hormones. So if our liver is struggling to get these things out, it's going to lead to an increased toxicity in the body. Plus it's going to increase the inflammation and also contribute to further hormonal imbalances. And we, I always look at the hormone umbrella as the last of the umbrellas, because if our gut and our liver aren't in working order, it's near impossible to balance hormones. But in the acne world, everyone's like, oh my gosh, I have hormonal acne. I need to take this supplement. I have to take dim. I have to do this. What can I do to balance my hormones? When we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like we need to back up that train a little bit. And we need to look at your gut because when your gut is responsible for manufacturing and regulating your hormones and it's struggling, it's not going to be doing its job well. And then if the liver's struggling and it's not able to get rid of the excess hormones, guess what? Your hormones aren't going to be balanced no matter what supplement you're taking. You're just putting a Band-Aid on it. So we need to have those two in place because once we get to the hormones, that's where we're looking at, okay, what's happening with your estrogen? Are we dealing with low progesterone? Do we have uh, androgen, like high androgens? Are we dealing with cortisol imbalance? What's happening with our blood sugar? Blood sugar is one that so often gets missed. And then in that, that little hormone umbrella, I like to include sleep, right? Because sleep is going to be helping with our cortisol. What's going on with our chronic stress levels. And one that is heavily under talked about is our emotional well-being. What is happening with your mental and emotional health? Because they have such a profound impact on the health of the skin and it's almost never talked about. So really we have to be looking at all of these organ systems in the body because they work with each other. We're not just, you know, our, our digestive tract doesn't work slow, solely by itself. Itself. Our, you know, cardiovascular system doesn't work solely by itself. We have to make sure that the health of our entire body is working well together to clear up the skin. And to go back to your other question about the antibiotics and the birth control, these things can be really big triggers of impacting our gut and our, and our liver and our hormonal health. Because the birth control pill, this is something that I am extremely familiar with having taken the pill for 10 years. We're never told like when we hear, here's the birth control pill, you want to take it. We're not told that it can actually alter your gut's microbiome. It can create a candida overgrowth, that it can also be leading to leaky gut. We can are never told that it can be overwhelming our liver. And we're actually never told that it doesn't balance your hormones. It can actually just cover the symptoms that, you know, blanket the symptoms that you're feeling. Because when you come off of that birth control pill, it can actually not only contribute to existing imbalances, but it can create new hormonal imbalances. So when you come off of the birth control pill and you have all of this acne, all of these heavy periods and all of these, you know, symptoms that you're dealing with, it's because we've just really impacted our gut, our liver and our hormones. Plus the pill can also be massively reducing or sorry, massively impacting our nutrient levels. So we get a lot of nutrient deficiencies as well. 
And then we lead into the heavy antibiotic use. Antibiotics, they're basically a nuclear bomb for your gut. Like they go in your gut and they wipe all of the good and the bad out, which allows the bad bacteria once again to take up. It allows the yeast overgrowth to really set up shop. And, you know, we're the same age. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I was given antibiotic for literally anything under the sun. You've got a sniffle, <laughs> yeah. here's an antibiotic. You have this, here's an antibiotic. And it's no wonder that our generation is dealing with so many gut, like gut root cause issues because of the massive amount of antibiotics we were fed as children. So it's this big lifestyle that we've all been living that has really set the perfect storm for acne. And we have to remember that our current health status is a result of everything that's happened to us from the time we were conceived up until this moment. So we have this life of things that have happened, the food that we eat, we've eaten, the experience, the traumas that we've had, the infections that we've gotten have all gotten us to this current health state. Yeah. And the things that really stand out when you say that is, you know, inflammation, these things can cause inflammation, which as athletes, that's a very common term for us. Cause a lot of the time, if you have muscle pain, it's because of inflammation, but what's the best way an athlete usually gets rid of that is by uh, yeah. you know, taking Advil or anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm which I think is, again, it's just a band-aid because it's still inflamed, mm-hmm. which has been really interesting working through the anti-inflammatory phase to, mm-hmm. because I've noticed it with how quickly I recover from a workout. Even if I get really mm-hmm. sore, then I still recover faster because inflammation goes down. And the other yeah. thing that kind of stood out is it does feel like we have these band-aid solutions because sometimes when I fa- I used to switch facial cleansers or something like mm-hmm. that, for the first two weeks, it feels like it's a miracle product, you know, mm-hmm. or if you cut something out for, you know, at the beginning, it's feels like a miracle. And then eventually it just comes back. I find the same with deodorants, you know, they work for a little while yeah. and then I'm like, oh, that one doesn't work for me anymore or shampoos, but it's almost like it band-aids it. And then your body's like, no, this, this isn't it. You have to get to the root cause. And mm-hmm. I think you're right that, so what would the answer be with antibiotics? Because sometimes, you know, this year I've had a few sinus infections. I haven't taken mm-hmm. antibiotics, but a lot of people said, oh, you should just go to the doctor and go on an antibiotic, mm-hmm. which now I'm very scared after 2014, because I was just so sick after those doses. Mm-hmm. But what would be, what's your answer then for at what point, or I guess it depends, but what would your rule of thumb be? Yeah, this is a good question. And of course, antibiotics are truly a life-saving medication in some instances, right? Like if I have a severe infection, like Katie, you're about to die, like you need to take this antibiotic. I'm not like, eh, you want to what? Like, I don't want to wreck my gut health right now, so I'm not <laughs> going to take it. Like, of course, I'm going to take it in that type of situation. You know, you have an incredible infection. It needs to be done. And again, I can't give medical advice because it's outside of my scope of practice legally on mm-hmm. telling a person to take or not to take. But for me, a general rule of thumb is, is it actually going to help when it, like the issue that I'm doing, right? Because so often people will, will take an antibiotic for a viral infection and it's like, well, that's not how antibiotics work. They work on a bacteria. So you, it's, you can't take that if you're dealing with a viral infection. It's something that you would definitely want to talk to your doctor about, you know, weigh the pros and cons, physically ask them, like, is there an alternative? Is there something I can try before this antibiotic? I would like to take a more conservative measure. And then that way they can hopefully lay out the different options that you have instead of just, you know, being blanketly prescribed an antibiotic like candy. And what would you say to someone 
because in this course, you mentioned gluten, but in this course, we go through a few protocols and it's things to avoid and things to add in, which at the Mm -hmm. beginning, I think as I was explaining it to Lenny, uh, my partner, he's like, oh, we're going to be so, we're going to be stuck. We can't have this. We can't have this. But then as we started cooking together, we didn't feel like we were compromising at all. We had these amazing Mm -hmm. meals. Your website has these amazing recipes and anything you can think of that I chose. I think I asked you for pumpkin cheesecake. You already had it. Um, stuffing, which was amazing at Thanksgiving. But what do you say to people that refrain from doing this because Mm -hmm. they feel like it's too much of a change with their nutrition? Absolutely. And this is something I can totally relate to because I grew up not eating the way I do. Like I'm still my sure my family is still shocked that I turned out to be a nutritionist because as a kid, like they called me carbo Kate because (laughs) I only ate carbs. I ate fettuccine Alfredo, lasagna, grilled cheeses, chicken fingers, you know, chips, French fries. Like we would go out for, uh, for dinner and, um, you know, with my no, 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 and I would get a grilled cheese with French fries and a side of mashed potatoes. And they would like, my no, no would like be cringing. Like, I can't believe you're eating all, all of this. So I can completely relate to how scary it can seem to make life changes because we've grown up our whole life eating this way, right? And the thought of, oh my gosh, I can't have that food. I can't do this. It can be really, really unsettling. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it, it's it's outside of the comfort zone for most people. And when I actually, in my early 20s, discovered I was celiac. So that was a whole type of lifestyle change. And I in the beginning, really struggled because I thought it was going to be cold turkey night and day. Tomorrow I'm waking up. I'm not eating gluten. I'm not eating dairy. I'm not eating, you know, sugar. So like whatever those things may be for somebody, it can be really daunting. So mm-hmm. I always, with our clients, we take baby steps and I always share that many small steps make for one massive leap. And in those many small steps, I'm like, okay, we're going to start with one food today. And, you know, if we need to say, consider removing gluten, let's look at all of the foods that contain gluten and where can we find healthy substitution? So you're not feeling deprived because I think the diet culture has given society such a bad taste in their mouth about healthy eating Yeah, because the diet culture, it's okay. You know, you have to diet. This is what you've got to do. And it's all about deprivation when we don't want to be depriving ourselves as a lifestyle. We want to be finding an eating lifestyle that works for us and makes our body feel great. And one of the biggest things that I started to do early on after becoming a nutritionist is finding healthy substitutions for all of my favorite comfort foods. So you'll see on my website, I have stuffing, I have lasagna, I have all of these, you know, chicken parm and these hearty comfort foods, but I've made them without gluten, without dairy, because I didn't want to feel deprived. And when you're able to have these recipes or these products that you're buying, whatever it may be, that's what fills the void. And that's what makes it easier because you have your favorite comfort food. So if someone's like, Hey, Katie, I absolutely love ice cream. I'm like, well, guess what? I got you a real delicious coconut milk ice cream. Here's we're going to get it. And that's what really makes it easier is finding healthy substitutions and recipes that you can enjoy. And then remembering that we don't want to look at it as I can't have, we want to look at it. We reframe our mindset to look at it in light of I get to have, I get to have all of these wonderful foods. And we so often think, oh, if I can't eat gluten, like there's nothing left to eat. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's just one food in our entire world of thousands of foods out there. Like there are thousands of different fruits and vegetables and things that we can be including on our plate, but our culture is so hung up on the plate of pasta, the, you know, the garlic bread and all of these foods that when you're almost, you know, forced to start venturing out and trying the vegetables and spices and garlic and herbs and all these things, you're like, whoa, 
I didn't realize like these things existed and it really starts to change your palate. So long story short, I would say take baby steps and start finding different substitutions that you can be including to make it doable. Yeah. I think that's so cool because at the beginning, I think people think nutrition, diet, losing weight. Mm -hmm. It's not about healing a disease or healing something chronic or healing acne. They think losing weight. And I think you know, when I told someone the other day, they're like, so what can you eat? Ice cubes? I was like, no, I can eat a lot of things. But now it's it's kind of the joke to lighten the mood. But it's, um, I don't feel deprived. And I'm actually trying these amazing recipes, some of which I post on my stories. They're all coming from you. And I've tried these amazing recipes and things like that. But I think that you're right. It's this diet culture that mm-hmm. we think that anything we, anytime we try to change our diet, it's all about losing weight, maybe because the nineties was like low fat yogurt, low fat milk, something like that. That's kind of how I grew up as well. But, but what would, sometimes I regret it a little bit because I'm like, this has been so amazing. And it's not about, you know, even as an athlete, I was scared to do anything with my diet because I didn't want to change my body composition. I didn't want to, Mm -hmm. you know, lose too much weight and get small as a downhill skier or something like that, or alter my muscle mass ratio but I regret not doing it earlier, not because I could have been more confident or something, but maybe I would have slept better and had less fatigue and had less worry and lowered my cortisol and learned these things earlier. But what, like, what would you say to that? As I, I mean, there's a perfect time for everything, but, but Mm -hmm. what would you say to that? And how would other athletes benefit from a program like yours? Mm -hmm. The big one is to remind yourself, you don't know what you don't know. So don't beat yourself up for not having this knowledge prior to, because I I think the same, like if I only knew this in high school, if I only knew this when I was a kid, if I only knew this when I was in my early twenties, I could have saved myself so much grief, but I didn't know. So we can't be that hard on ourselves. What happens is once you do know, that's when you can start actively making the steps and the changes, whether it's slow, whether it's fast for yourself to get your body back into a healthy state. And then Also, we can give ourselves a little bit of slack because we didn't grow up in a culture that fostered that healthy eating, right? Living in North America in the 90s and early 2000s, we were just advertised at McDonald's. Like, you know, it's, again, you being an Olympian elite athlete, I I don't know if you find it crazy, but I always find it crazy that we see, you know, these top performing athletes promoting McDonald's and promoting, you know, pop and Pepsi and Coke. And I'm like, it's it's just crazy that mm-hmm. our society has been driven by the marketing of these unhealthy products for so long. And it's really only been like what the last five, maybe 10 years where that healthy eating has come to the forefront, where we're okay. learning about gut health, where we're learning about these things. So I would always say is don't beat yourself up because you straight up didn't know. But now that you do know, like now that you do know, you can start, you know, experimenting with things. It's like, oh, does my body feel better when I don't drink alcohol? Do I sleep better when I don't eat and when I don't have a coffee in the afternoon? Like there's things that we could be doing to experiment how we can create this lifestyle of living. And when you first were mentioning, you know, being this high-performing athlete and being scared that, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose too much weight. I'm, I'm, this is going to happen. I always, I always say Tom Brady, like Tom Brady is the goat of the NFL. Like he mm-hmm. has been playing as a, like the top player and he, what is he like 45? Like that is an unheard of age in the NFL to still be in your prime, as they would say. And when you look at his diet, he actually follows a very paleo style diet, 
course, he talks about his cheat days where he goes and has a pizza or whatever. But most of the time, he is following a strict paleo diet. Has that impacted his performance at all? No, no. And exactly. in fact, it's it's likely done the opposite. It's just, and I think I learned that a lot in, in your course that sometimes when people give us pushback, it's because they're uncomfortable mm-hmm. with their own decisions. You know, if someone looks at me and they're judging what I'm doing or what I am or I'm not eating, sometimes it's because they themselves it's a problem with themselves, not with what you're doing. Absolutely. And food, it's such a personal thing, right? Like we, when we're born, we have mother's milk, whether you have formula or mother's milk, and that becomes a comforting, that's where you get your oxytocin, that feeling of love. And then when we grow up in our homes, oftentimes food is a reward. It's like, oh, you did good on your math test. We're going to go and get an ice cream. So we start to make these connections in our brain mm-hmm. that food food equals love, food equals reward. So when we get older and we see somebody that's making changes that's outside of our comfort zone, it makes us feel on edge. And whether mm-hmm. you know this consciously or subconsciously, it is making you feel not safe. It is like scary to think about. So when I was making changes about 10 years ago when I worked in television. Um, Most of my colleagues were men. And I remember sitting in the lunchroom, like eating my little quinoa salad. (laughs) And like the previous week, having eaten like a triple patty burger. So this was a complete opposite for me. And I would get those comments from my coworkers like, oh, here's Katie eating rabbit food again. And like in the beginning, it it really hurt. Like it made me feel sad. And I felt so self-conscious that I actually started to go and eat my lunch at my desk and not in the lunchroom because I didn't like the comments that I was getting. And one of my colleagues, I will never forget, he came up to me when I was eating my little lunch, my glass Tupperware at my desk. He said, Katie, you want to know what? Don't take the things we say to heart. Look at us all. We're overweight. We have health issues. And here you are trying to do something for yourself. And we are just jealous that we can't be making those same things. We are just jealous that we don't have the same willpower and same um, bravery to go and do what you're doing. And that was really shocking for me to hear because I never I never thought it was. A, I always thought it was a me problem. I didn't realize it was a them problem. And from that moment on, it really changed how I saw everything. And I was like, okay, it's not about me. I'm just, I'm making them uncomfortable or maybe on a conscious or subconscious level, they wish they could be making these same changes for themselves as well. Yeah. And how relatable is that to the rest of life, eh? That if anything's a little bit different, we push back on it because it makes us a bit uncomfortable or, but I also love that he came up to you because through every struggle, I find there's always some sort of light or some sort of lesson that comes through it. But what's, what would be your biggest lesson then through your journey, through helping people? What's your biggest lesson mm-hmm. that you've learned? I would say, and again, this may be triggering for some people because it was definitely triggering for me when I first kind of thought about it. It's that life happens for you, not to you. And it's something that has radically changed my outlook on so many things. So for me, you know, when I look back on my life, I look at, you know, growing up in an abusive home, then I look at the, you know, pregnancy losses that I had. And from a surface level, it's like, how in the world could that be for me? Like, how could, you know, living in this abusive situation, having these, you know, having a stillborn baby, losing these, these, these children, how can that be for my own good? Like, it made me angry to sit with this. And, you know, I'm sure there's other listeners out there that have had really horrible things happen and traumatic experiences in their life. 
But when we pull back to a bird's eye view and look at how it's shaped us, how it's made us who we are, how it's allowed us to help maybe help other people, that's when I realized that life does happen for us and not to us. And maybe someone else, you know, would word it as, you know, everything happens for a reason. And so now that I'm on the other side of these really horrible traumatic events, I'm starting to really peel back these layers and see why these things had to happen for me. Because I know that if these situations didn't occur, maybe I wouldn't be here being able to help all of these women, being able to share my story, making other women feel seen, feel heard. Or I needed to learn specific lessons um, on this you know, life journey that we're all on as souls. So I think for me, the biggest thing that I have found is that life happens for you and not to you. And I love that thought. And I guess a similar thing is that it's all how you react to it. You know, it's not the situation, but sometimes how you react to the situation that can kind of slingshot you into the next thing that you're going to go through. And I really look at you for inspiration because I'm in this transition period. And so right now I'm not juggling. I have a lot of balls in the air, not juggling them well. Some are smashing <laughs> to the ground. Some are still up in the air, forgotten about. But I really look to you because, and and businesswomen like you that lead with kindness, that are experts in their field, but also that kind of don't get pushed around, that get work done, that, you know, that's what I aspire to be. I was talking to Lenny about it yesterday. I really want to lead with kindness always and do the best work I can ever do. But I also don't want to get pushed around. I want to be a businesswoman that people know that they're going to get, you know, what they came for. Mm -hmm. But how do you juggle everything? I mean, you're not only running this course and you're a holistic nutritionist and you have all these clients, you have this Facebook group, which you answer all the questions where you're tagged in and you're a mom and you have these new recipes coming out. You're reading a book a week and you have all of these other things on the go. And your website is phenomenal. And we'll get, I'll get you to drop it at the end, but I'll link it at the end too. But how do you juggle it all for someone like we're the same age, but I really look up to you and I'm in a transition thinking, okay, what do I do now? Who am I now? How do I be proud of who I am and find value outside of skiing, but how do you do it all? First of all, thank you so much uh, for saying that. I It's always such a, a weird feeling when people tell me that they look up to me because, you know, for me, I'm like, I'm just me. I'm just, I'm just this, I'm just Katie. I'm just, I'm just me. So I know this podcast is about unspoken bravery. So I've been trying to pull the curtain back a little bit more than I usually would on a podcast. And it's really hard. I'm going to be totally honest. It's really, really hard. Luckily for me, I'm at a place now where I have a lot of help. Like I run this company. I have 12 women that work for me and I'm in a season of life right now where it's overwhelming. I am like you, I have all the balls in the air. I've dropped several over here. This one's smashed, one caught on fire, like one's caught in a bird's nest. Like for me, it actually feels like a bit of a hot mess. So if I'm pulling back the curtain, One, I have a lot of help from my team. So I really do lean on them a lot because I have a one-year-old, I have a six-year-old and, you know, my one-year-old's home with me for the majority of the week. He's still nursing. So I have like, he's my first priority. Like he has to be, he's this little baby that's depending on me. So I, I I do lean a lot on on, um, my team right now. My mom is amazing and she helps watch my son a few days a week. And I absolutely have the most incredible husband in the entire world. He's an amazing dad and he really does pick up the slack. And for like, if I'm weighing it out, he probably does like 60, 70% of the parenting for the last little while, because I have so many balls in the air. And on top of all of that, 
I also deal with severe chronic pain, like chronic nerve pain to the point where it's absolutely debilitating for me. I can barely make dinner by the end of the day, picking up my children's excruciating. I spend probably 15 to 18 hours a week in appointments for my back on top of that. Plus uh, my mental health is something I struggle with. You know, I mentioned having, you know, grown up in an abusive home and having those pregnancy losses. So I also deal with PTSD and bouts of depression and anxiety. And it's really, really hard, really difficult. So for me, having the support system in place is probably been the biggest thing. So asking for help, I think is so important to do. So if you're in a position where you have a support system, ask them for help, share with them what's going on. Cause we so often bottle up inside all of these feelings and all of these anxieties and the overwhelm. But if you just shared with your partner, your friend, your sister, like a colleague, whoever it may be and say, Hey, like, this is how I'm feeling is like, I need help. Like they, you know, your loved ones will reach out and they will rally around you to help you get through the season of life that you're in. And also continuing to work on your own growth, your own self. So I think anytime that we can look inwards and, you know, whether it's going to therapy, whether it's, you know, practicing, shifting your mindset, reducing your stress, like really working on the mental health component goes a long way and reminding yourself that you're not the only one who is dropping all the balls. The majority of people out there are dropping all the balls. We just live in this world where we put out this perfect image on, not on just on social media, but like, think about your interactions with people. We're like, oh, hey, how are you doing today? Like, oh, I'm good. Meanwhile, they're like, have a dumpster fire going on in their life, but they are like, no, I'm fine. Everything's great. So I think just reminding ourselves that everybody is going through it. We're, we're not the only ones that are struggling to get through the day. And if we're all just a little more transparent with how we're feeling mentally, emotionally, I think it can really start to shift the paradigm and realize that we're like a lot of us are struggling to get through the day. Yeah. And I thank you for kind of pulling back that curtain because I feel the same way that it's hard to get real. Like when someone asks me how I am, I'm like, good, because I yeah. feel like they expect that answer. And if you say anything else, I talked with a bobsledder about this. If you say anything else, people start to worry about you or they want to help, mm-hmm. which is amazing. But again, you kind of have this inner circle and these people mm-hmm. supporting you that I never want people to worry like, Hey, I'm okay, yeah. but things are busy or Hey, I'm okay. Yeah. But I just smashed a few balls, but like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. So I just say good. Or as we talked about earlier, I say good because everyone else might have it worse, you know, that, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm retired and happy and healthy and, you know, pain-free. So why do I have a reason not to be good? But Mm -hmm. I really love that you pulled back that curtain and thank you for doing that because it is unspoken bravery because it's those unspoken things that we don't talk about that. I don't know. I think it makes us truly brave. And is there a a thing you can think of that you're the most proud of in your life where you were completely brave, even just behind the scenes? Hmm. That's a really profound question. Something that I've been brave. I know it's easy to say, oh, I'm brave of, you know, this, uh, I'm I'm proud of the success of my business, or I'm I'm proud of, you know, those are the easy things to be proud of your outward accomplishments. But when I think of something that I'm most proud of, it is that I'm breaking this cycle with me. And I'm gonna expand on that a little bit. So, you know. We come from generations in our family where we just sucked it up and kept going. We didn't talk about mental health. We didn't 
go see therapists. We didn't, you know, do things to improve the situations in our life. And I'm most proud of making that trauma and that abuse stop with me because having, you know, grown up in this abusive home, like I could, you know, easily have that excuse as to why I, you know, have a specific reaction to something. But I realized that I didn't want that. I didn't want these emotions and these issues to continue to my children. I wanted the buck to stop with me. So I made a vow to myself that I was going to work through my traumas and, you know, all of these things that have happened to me over my life so that my children wouldn't have to have that same those same feelings pop up. Um, I don't know if that makes that makes it sense. Totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. It I, totally yeah, that's what sense. I'm most proud of. I think is is making sure that it stops with me, and I can I can change the really hard things I'm going through to be a better parent for my children, and to teach my children how to work through those emotions, so that they can have like they they can go and they can be the change as well. Yeah, and I think it's so cool because as you said, you know, it stops with me or it ends with me. I think it also starts with you. And that's what's mm-hmm. really cool because it starts with you as you treat your ch- children, but as you work through things with all of these clients internationally mm-hmm. and myself mm-hmm. too, like, I don't think I ever would have shared that I struggle with acne. People close to me probably know or probably can notice sometimes if I'm uncomfortable or something, but it gives us freedom to open up. It gives us mm-hmm. support to open up, but mm-hmm. also something to look to that you know, we can find a solution other than Accutane or these Mm band-aids. And, you know, I share with my mom what I'm doing and she's had some kind of funny things going on and she's just Mm -hmm. given up gluten and dairy and she feels so much better as well. And Mm -hmm. so I think it ends with you, but it starts with you because what you're doing is, I I created a project for girls and it's called a ripple of light. And it's supposed to be how we can create a ripple of light for other people. But I think that's what you're doing. It's like, it ends with you, but it also starts with you because what you're doing is rippling outwards. And I think that your experiences, you know, your bravery and what you're proud of has done that. And I think that that's really cool. And maybe that's what drew me to you. And then I'm really happy that I got involved in the program for personal reasons, because as I work through this, I'm like, why didn't I do this earlier? And even, even Lenny's like, you know what, maybe it is a good thing that you had acne because now we Mm -hmm. can get to the bottom of this. But as we kind of close out, what would you say to other female athletes that are dealing with skin problems or Mm -hmm. dealing with acne maybe, or just living in this high pressure environment. Do you have any words of wisdom? You don't have to settle with how you feel, right? Just because the symptoms we're experiencing or how we're feeling is common in our society, it doesn't mean it's normal. And if you are, and if something is impacting how you feel about yourself physically, mentally, or emotionally, it's valid and you deserve to feel good. Like you deserve to feel good in your body, how you feel about yourself. So don't just settle for where you're at because you can truly feel amazing. And if you were in this high pressure environment, really make sure your mental and emotional health is at the forefront, making sure you include some self-care where you can, you know, whether it's, or like talking to a therapist, meditating, like things that you can do to improve your mental and emotional health can have be such a game changer for you. So remember that self-care isn't selfish. Like it is absolutely vital. Yeah. And I agree. Like two things that pop up for me is that sometimes we're taught things are just normal. 
you know, mm-hmm. that we just kind of, oh, we can't sleep well if we have chocolate before bed, but we continually eat chocolate before bed. <laughs> yeah. You know, that we just keep doing things that never settle in how we feel. And also that we don't have to, sometimes how we feel and what we're going through is deeper than just a surface reaction. And sometimes if we dig a little deeper, mm-hmm. and I think for sport, we focus a lot on sports psychologists and it seems less aggressive if I'm like, yeah, I see a sports psychologist. than if I just say, I see a psychologist because sports Mm -hmm. psychologist really is aimed at performance in sport. Mm -hmm. But I think that what I missed out on as well is taking care of myself mentally outside of sport, you know, so that Mm -hmm. I could stand in the start gate and not think about performing, but be kind of the best version of myself And I think we kind of overlook that sometimes. And what I say is, you know, we work our bodies mentally, but we don't work our minds, our brains, our muscle as Mm -hmm. well. And so it's just adding tools to the toolkit. And so I'm really excited to be part of your course. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to learn more about nutrition. Actually, you've inspired me to, I don't know, I think it would be a really cool profession to go into. So I'm Uh looking in different ways and you are that ripple of light. And where can, can you share where we can find you? Absolutely. Well, um, thank you for saying all of that. It's, it's your words have meant more than, you know, and I truly do appreciate them so much. And for anyone that's listening that wants to, you know, hang out with me, I spend a lot of time on Instagram at Katie Stewart wellness, uh, over on Facebook, Facebook, um, you know, uh, Katie Stewart, you'll find me as well. We have our free Facebook community, clear skin for life, as well as my website, katiestewartwellness.com that has all of the wonderful recipes and some more inside scoops on acne. Yeah. And I'll share some of the recipes as I work through them Um, and I work through them in the bus. Maybe that's my last question. (laughs) I'm going to be living in a schoolie. Do you have any advice or, or even just the best recipe I should try? That's pretty easy to make in a schoolie. Oh, that's going to depend. Like what do you got in there? What kind of, what kind of kitchen stuff do you have? Full, like a small fridge and induction Uh, cooktop and air fryer. Okay. Air fryer, you can do a lot with. I would definitely say, or do you have a, do you have a blender on that bus? Yes. Little smoothies for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Little magic bullet smoothies for sure. Cause you can put, you know, if you're on the go, you know, you're running to the airport or you're heading out to a race, you can pack so much in there, like all of your greens, extra protein powder, collagen, you know, you can put so much in that little to go uh, cup of smoothie. And I would definitely say, Oh, so many options. Things that you can make in bulk so you can cook once mm. and eat a few times. So that's where I would love any type of the casseroles because that, you know, you can make a full family size casserole and then you and Lenny can eat for a few meals. Uh, I posted a, what was it? The hearty butternut squash pasta back in the fall. And it's like, you know, ground, your ground meat of choice and um, some herbs and squash. And like, you can make it really easy by using like canned pumpkin and all of these things. So I think anything like that, where you can really get a hearty meal, good amount of protein and sneak in some vegetables that you can make in bulk will always be a winner. Oh, I totally agree. Okay. We're going to make that. I haven't tried that one yet. I tried a lot, but I haven't tried that one, but I really want to thank you for coming on, for taking the time, for juggling another ball, but also really for um, helping me because Mm -hmm. it's been cool to see the changes. You know, people just look at my skin to try to see changes, but it's been really cool to see the changes in my lifestyle and my life and even how I stand up for myself because sometimes it is awkward asking for something that you need or want. So I want to say thank you. And um, I can't wait for people to look you up and find you. Thank you so much. And you're so welcome. It's been such a pleasure having you with us. Bye. Thank you for listening to Unspoken Bravery. 
My goal with this podcast is to connect with you through real life experiences. So I would love to hear from you. A hello, feedback, future ideas, you name it. You can reach me on my Instagram account at Aaron Milzinski or head to my website, aaronmilzinski.com. If you like the podcast, please share, review, and subscribe. I hope to see you back here to uncover your own hidden superhero. Superhero.